Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. We've reached the end of May, and unfortunately, we're still plugging away at planting. But hopefully, we're going to see that wrap up over the next week or two, and we can turn our attention to the rest of the season. We've got Erin Wilson joining us today to give us a look back at what we've seen this spring and also a sneak peek of what's to come. Welcome, Erin. Hi, Elizabeth. Uh, Good to be back. It's always great to have you on, and we know that weather is one of our favorite topics. So let's dive right in. Um, Give us a recap of what we saw this past spring. Yeah, so... uh... Yeah, this, this spring has been pretty interesting, a little bit of, of everything. Uh, certainly, uh, if we look back at our forecast, we expected the spring to be wetter than average. And while we started out uh, a little bit on the wet side late in the winter season, it really hasn't transpired from, from an amounts perspective. And, and I'll, I'll kind of dive into that just a little bit. But if we, if we look back over the last, uh, th- say, three months here, March, uh, was pretty warm. It was our 21st warmest March on record going back to 1895. Uh, and it happened to also be our 47th driest. And so, um, you know, it was kind of promising. Uh, we expected a lot wetter conditions in March, but that really didn't materialize as much as we thought it would. Uh, and as we were heading into April, obviously with some early season warmth again and dry conditions, that helped us dry out from those late winter heavy rainfall events that we saw. Uh, Then we got to April and uh, we went from 21st warmest in March to our 51st coolest April on record. So it was pretty cold across the region, averaging about two to five degrees below average across the state. Um, And again, this may be surprising to folks, but April was our 42nd driest April on record. Um, And so I say it may be a surprise to folks because we had numerous days of of precipitation. We had a lot of light precipitation events. There were some locations across Ohio that saw 20, 22 days of precipitation during the month of April, but still came in about 50% of normal in terms of total amounts. And, And so that set up a situation where we had a lot of cool, cloudy conditions for much of the, the, the April month. Um, and there's been some regional analyses around the, the Eastern Corn Belt region, Illinois, for instance, that the total amount of solar radiation was down for the month of April. We just had thick clouds. Um, there wasn't as much solar radiation reaching the surface. Um, and with frequent rainfall, even though it was lighter rainfall, it kept soils damp and uh, soil, soil temperatures don't respond very rapidly when soils are damp, right? And, and so at least in this time of the year, um, and so that kept April soils cold, it kept the surface cold, and because of the frequency of the rainfall, I think that kept a lot of farmers out of the fields for much of the month. So not as much early planting as maybe last year uh, that we saw during, during that month. Um, that really continued through the first week of May, and then all of a sudden we had this, what we call an omega block, a, a blocking situation in May. Uh, blocking means that we get Basically, high pressure anchored itself over the eastern Corn Belt, Um, and high pressure usually means a lot of sinking air in the atmosphere, and the air compresses and it can warm a lot. So that period of May 8th through about the 14th of May, we soared well into the 80s, uh, a couple of places even tipped 90 degrees across the state. 
big window of dry weather, for instance. So, so really followed some heavy weather that what second weekend of May, followed by very warm temperatures over the next five or six days. And it allowed the surface to dry out. And then obviously we finally saw a big bump up in, in planting. Uh, and even within a relatively short period, uh, corn, you know, emerging as well in some isolated parts across the state. So, yeah, it was, it, you know, the, these transitions have been pretty interesting throughout this season. And again, uh, that rapid switch to warm conditions, eight to 15 degrees above average that week. Um, and then back to somewhat more normal conditions that we had, for instance, last week. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the season in a nutshell. I think overall, it'll be about average to maybe below average when we finally get through the month. Um in terms of our spring and, and not as wet as we had predicted, not, not as wet as it, it looked like it was going to. Yeah. When you say that April was on average dry, that isn't the way that I feel like I remember it. It seems like we were pretty damp through a lot of that month, but I think a lot of that, like you said, has to do with how cold and cloudy it stayed most of the month. Yeah, that's that's true. And we and, and different areas of the state have obviously experienced slightly different conditions. So if you get up into north, say north central, I'm, I'm thinking about Sandusky and, and over to Huron counties, that that area has been pretty dry. Um, even since the first of the year, they're running deficits um, of about three to four inches below average. Of course, that that comes on the heels of last fall. Right when it was so wet up there that that a lot of planting was delayed or a lot of harvesting was delayed until you know the ground froze up. On the flip side of that, you go to areas like Dayton, Ohio, northern Montgomery County, southern Miami County, that have seen six events already this year of at least one inch. So they've seen 18 to 20 inches of rain, and half of that has come in just a matter of a five or six day period. So uh, again, climate. Oh, you know, climate summaries tend to hide some of those details. So some parts of the state have certainly been a lot more saturated. I would say areas from Cincinnati to Columbus and then eastward to, say, Jefferson County have been a bit wetter for this spring, um, balanced out again by much drier conditions a little bit farther north. You know, the, the cool conditions really frustrated me, especially in late April. It seemed like we just could not get our soil temperatures to come up there for a good week and a half or two weeks, they just hovered in that slightly below 50 degree range. And then all of a sudden it, it flipped to so hot <laughs> in May. Is that a trend that we should expect to see? Cause it feels like we don't get spring anymore. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard I, um, to, to, you know, in terms of this, what we do see is extreme variability. So it fits the overall trends of this extreme variability and these rapid transitions uh, between what we call hydrologic states from wet to dry is something that we've seen very strongly evident uh, across the Midwest and across the Ohio, for instance, where we can rapidly transition between a wet to dry or a dry to wet. Usually it's a lot easier. It's a, it's a lot faster to go from a dry to a wet takes one big storm and you can do that. Usually it takes a little bit longer to go from a wet to, to a dry because it takes a little bit of time. But when you, you know, when you're basically looking at conditions in April where we had overnight lows in the upper teens, two days later, we were in the mid to upper 80s. A couple of days later after that, we were back in the mid 20s. Um, soils don't respond, you know, that rapidly to those temperature changes, for instance especially not in April, because the soil itself 
it's not just a matter of what the air temperature is, but you know, we get a lot more solar radiation warmth from direct sunlight in the soil, say late May than we do late April because the sun angle is so much higher and stronger. I mean, we're getting close to the solstice here, uh, just here, you know, just three weeks from now or three or four weeks from now. So, um, you know, you, that stronger sun angle later in the season, we can get temperatures warming up really strongly into the nineties, hundreds, you know, two inches below the surface in April, you don't, the sun's not that strong yet. Right. Uh, so even though the air temperature can bump up into the eighties, you don't get that big, big in, increase in your soils unless it's happening over several days. Like we saw that second week of May. Well, luckily all of that is past us at this point. And we have in the last couple of weeks made some strong progress on planting and hopefully we're going to wrap up soon. So can you give us some insights into what we can expect here in the near term? Yeah, so so really currently, um, overall, if we start with like soil moisture, you know, we, we went from those early season surplus soil moisture conditions to really, um, you know, a decent amount of saturation, not too wet, not too dry, not too dry in our soils across much of the state. So, you know, I think soils are in pretty good shape as we head through, you know, the last week of May into June. Uh, streams and rivers are running about average across the state as well. Um, when we look at our forecast this week, it does look warmer than average um, to, to round out May uh, into the first part of June here. So warmer than average at this point, you know, highs in the upper 70s to to mid 80s would be a little bit above average. That's really what we're expecting this week. Um, we will be dodging some showers and storms over the course of this week. Um, you know, we're still in a fairly active pattern. As a matter of fact, we're still in a La Nina pattern. We can get to that here in a minute with the outlooks, but uh, with La Nina pattern around, typically we do see more frequent rainfall. So if we can take advantage uh, to finish out planting season here over the next few weeks, uh, take advantage of those windows as we head into the first part of June, but then still get those, you know, hopefully just a half inch, three quarter of an inch rainfall scattered, you know, over, over, you know, once or twice a week, that would be probably ideal conditions, I think. Um, and, and that's really the pattern that we see here to round out May and to start June. Yeah. I know when we're trying to wrap up those rains every, you know, three or four days, can be frustrating, but especially with some of these heavier rainfall events we've had, you know, softening up that soil surface on a regular basis and maintaining that good moisture in the seed zone is really important to make sure that we're getting this crop off to a good start. So I'm, I'm happy with the forecast right now. Let's keep it, keep it there. Aaron. Try to keep it going. Yeah. So looking into summer, you know, what does that look like for us? Yeah. So a lot of questions. I talked about La Nina uh, continuing through summer. This is a bit unusual. This would be the third, going into the third year in a row. Uh, with La Nina conditions. And I always review this. So La Nina means that the uh, sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean off the coast of South America are cooler than average. Um, and what that means is that um, those, those sea surface temperatures basically impact atmospheric patterns across the globe. Here in North America, for instance, it typically makes the jet stream very wavy and you get a lot of uh, activity, especially in the wintertime. In the summertime, it's a little bit different. The, the impacts during the summer La Ninas really focus dry and hot conditions across the central plains, Colorado, Kansas, Nebraska, extending into the Missouri Valley and Iowa. 
And for us, we could be on the receiving end of, of thunderstorms that basically wrap around a high in the central portion of the United States, and we can get some frequent rainfall or thunderstorm activity. So this is really, again, La Nina doesn't have a huge impact in Ohio's weather. It's sort of no really strong signal on the precip, although it typically keeps our temperatures warmer than average. Um, and right now, all of our outlooks are really, they're leaning that way. Uh, June looks warmer than average, really in the overnight lows. So, so kind of step back a little bit, what we've seen uh, in terms of our long-term impacts, and we've talked about a little bit of the changing climate impacts uh, here before, uh, but in the summertime, we're not really seeing strong trends, upward trends in our daytime highs, right? So, you know, we hit 92, we hit 94. We're not really seeing as many 100 degree days, for instance, that we saw back in the early 20th century. Uh, most of our warming trends have been in overnight lows. So we, we often see a lot more 70 degree nights, uh, even mid to upper 70 degree nights, because we have a lot more moisture, a lot higher humidity in the atmosphere. And that doesn't allow our temperatures to cool off as much at night. And so generally speaking, our summers have been warming, but mostly in the overnight lows. And that's really the outlook for this season too. We expect our temperatures to be above average throughout much of the summer, June, July, August, maybe even to September as well. And again, I think that's gonna be a strong function of our overnight low temperatures being much more, you know, much warmer than average while our daytime highs will be, you know, warm, but not necessarily, we'll have some extreme hot. We know we will. Uh, we'll have to see how much that comes into play. But as long as we're, we don't dry out too rapidly and we have moisture around, our summer will be warm and humid. If we start to dry out um, and we, we don't, you know, those frequent rains don't come as often the soil starts to dry out, that drought that's really entrenched across the western United States will start to edge this way. It'll start to make its way this way as well um, as those temperatures. Because typically, we, we always talk about drought begets drought, right? As drought grows, it continues to expand because areas get drier and drier. And that can, in the summertime, when you don't have strong steering currents to move weather systems around, that can really lock in a, a pattern in place. So we'll be watching for that. Right now, we don't anticipate strong drought across the region, uh, but it's always something we have to watch in July and August. Yeah, that's the question that I've been getting. You know, you see that drought monitor, you see those maps, and we've been hearing news out of, you know, those Western states about just how bad it is, especially the wheat crop. And I've been hearing farmers asking, is that going to spread to us? So that's a real concern. Yeah, out West, you're right on. I mean, thankfully, our wheat condition kind of improved as we went along through the spring season um, a little bit. The condition, you know, in parts of, of Kansas, Colorado, it's been really bad, really thin wheat stands. They've been dealing with a tremendous amount of wind across that region, large amount number of dust storms, pastures being buried in dust. Uh, there's There's an effort to kind of maybe quantify how much soil has been lost from Colorado to the Central Plains or even the Central Plains to the Northern Plains. Uh, on the flip side of that, spring has been probably one of the roughest springs again for parts of North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota that have really transitioned rapidly from drought conditions to deluge. Um, and so, you know, although it won't be a situation as bad as 2019 for, for a lot of the Midwest, you know, there'll be a lot of prevent plant up in 
you know, North Dakota, parts of Minnesota this year, just because it's been so saturated there. So we, we really have been in a Goldilocks situation here across the Eastern Corn Belt compared to places farther West. Yeah. Before we started recording, you know, you mentioned it's kind of a slow weather time. There's not a lot to talk about, but that's really a relief when we're talking about farming. If there's not a lot to talk about with you, it means things if we've had it pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's never, there's never nothing to talk about obviously, but um, yeah, overall our situation uh, is, is much better than, than a lot of the Midwest. So another thing that we worry about, especially as we move into later summer, are tropical systems moving disease and pests into Ohio. So what's the outlook for that kind of activity this year? Yeah, so it really goes back to the La Nina conditions again. So uh, La Nina, one, one thing it does in summer is it, it really induces a pattern over the tropics that can increase the number of named storms in the Atlantic Ocean. And that's primarily the tropical moisture that we get either directly from the, the Atlantic, the East, East Coast, but more often coming up through the Gulf of Mexico and then coming up from the, the southeastern United States or southern United States into Ohio. La Nina increases the usually the opportunity to see more named storms. Whether or not they land, that's always a big question, you know, and it deals with that, you know, more short-term weather. Uh, but I think the potential is there with increased numbers, you know. Um, last year, of course, we talked a lot about the fall armyworm um, and the, in, you know, the influx of that, which really was a result of slightly different atmospheric circulation. It was more uh, a high pressure and, and mov movement around there that came up from, from the Missouri Valley. Uh, but that's always always at play during the summertime. And so thinking about more name, you know, tropical systems, and there's a lot more than fall armyworm that can come up from the south to disrupt operations here in Ohio. We'll have to keep an eye on it. There's certainly a possibility. Typically, you know, we get our season started about now here the first of June, but it really gets rocking as we head into August and then even September. So definitely, uh, again, you're heading into summer. It's something we have to keep an eye on. And then a new issue that, you know, we really never talked about until a few years ago, the wildfire smoke and the impact that that has on our air quality and even our sunlight quality through the summer. Yeah. I know we were talking earlier last week about how some New Mexico fires had already gotten some smoke this way. So what's that look like impacts this year? Yeah, absolutely. So if you recall last summer, we had uh, a lot of wildfire smoke, smoky days in the atmosphere last July, and that really cut down on solar radiation. And in some regards, you know, more diffuse radiation may be better, may be worse, you know, it depends on the situation. Uh, but there were a few days where the air quality was impacted. You could smell the smoke even at the ground level. And you mentioned the New Mexico wildfire already uh, just a week or so ago. Um, you know, the plume of smoke, again, if you remember I, talking about the, the blocking high that we had, well, flow around that high actually took New Mexico smoke up in that derecho that caused that big haboob, the big desert, uh, the big dust storm that moved across, um, you know, portions of South Dakota, Iowa, and Nebraska. But that smoke got pulled well up into the southern portions of, of Canada and then came back down around the east. And actually, we had some 
smoke in our skies to cause some, some neat sunrises, but it was coming from the east. So the New Mexico smoke was going up, moving around the Great Lakes, and then coming from the east across Ohio. So that's pretty interesting. I mean, none of this stuff sits still, right? It's impacted by the weather patterns across the United States. But yeah, so with this once in, you know, one in 1200 year, at least the worst drought in the last 1200 years still going on across the West and all of this intense dryness across Colorado and parts of Kansas and, and Nebraska, the wildfire danger and risk is really elevated for a large portion of the central plains this year. And so I would expect that as fires get ignited and they spread and probably large numbers of acres burned this year, we'll see plenty of wildfire smoke in our skies once again. Um, similar atmospheric setup. We'll see a lot of movement in from the West uh, and there'll be, there'll be a lot of days that it's pretty smoky out there. Hopefully we get still some, some good solar radiation to get some, some strong crop growth. Cause I don't, don't like the idea of, you know, all those wild wildfires and all those smoke seeing the, the devastation with our neighbors to the West is always heartbreaking too, but even worse when it impacts us at the same time. So Aaron, as we wrap up, Let's look way too far out into the future. What What's our harvest outlook look like for this fall? Yeah, this is a ridiculously early look, but um, certainly warmer than average conditions lingering. We'll see how much of that drought extends into the region. Now, overall, we've seen longer term drying trends in July and August across, say, west central, northwest Ohio. Um, and then as we head into the fall, that's a season where we typically, or at least in trends, we've seen a switch toward much wetter conditions. Last year, for instance, the, the really wet conditions from July through November across Northwest. So right now, though, we don't see any strong indication of above or below on the precip side, uh, a little bit more certainty in the in the warmth, you know, and that really fits our extended growing seasons now and the opportunity, even with those, you know, folks that have been a bit nervous about getting maybe a little bit later start this year compared to last year. Um, I think there are plenty of days to reach those magic numbers and the, the black layer numbers before we see our first frost this fall. So uh, again, that's a ridiculously early look, but right now I don't, I don't, I wouldn't foresee at this point any reason to believe an early frost or freeze. Um, and we'll have to watch the, the precipitation and, and see how that affects our, our weather and, and our harvest. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that if we do start seeing those drought conditions expand into Ohio, that you will be the first person we call to give us an update on the impacts of that. But as always, Aaron, very enlightening. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course, you could always uh, check out climate.osu.edu. We've got monthly and seasonal climate updates there. I'll be providing a summer outlook video on there as well. So look out for that. And uh, as always, you know where to reach me and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Hopefully you have a great growing season ahead. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.